You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. The email is PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Back to talk a little Green Bay Packers this morning. Hope everybody's uh, getting woken up there. Got your, uh, you know, got your, got your diesel in cup ready to roll. It's going to be a great day. I know down here, Tim, we're expecting 60 degrees and sunny. We might have to uh, might have to dust off the old smoker down here today, man. That may happen. Yeah, right. that diesel smoker. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past these rednecks down here. I bet someone has created a diesel smoker. <laughs> I know we got a herd of people here in the chat: Eric Sutherland, Donovan Schilling, Reef, Sam, uh, Sam Shaver. Let's see, we got David Mitchell, Maki Kamuda. We got everybody up in here, man. So good to see you guys. United Bates in the house. I know Eric Sutherland was in here early uh, spreading the news about uh, uh, the the great Toby Keith passed away. And for those of you who grew up listening to 90s country like me, um, yeah, he was a he was a good one, man. True, uh, true American in every sense of the word. Just someone who didn't care to, to, you know, share his opinion. Wasn't worried about getting canceled. Absolutely love that guy. Uh, everything. Wish I had a red solo cup right now to give yes, him a sir. salute. Yes, sir. He uh did so many good things too for charity and just taking care of people and um, so many things that that'll probably go unnoticed to be honest with you. And, and him being that type of guy, he probably would want it that way, you know, but uh, yeah. just an amazing man. So with that being said, let's talk a little Packers here. Uh, obviously we had some shakeup that kind of came down the wire there at the end of the show last night. Uh, we were kind of flying solo. Carly jumped in with me and, um, we tried to get the information out as best we could. We're a little more organized this morning, um, and I want to give a shout out to Carly. That was awesome. Her jumping on and helping with the uh, helping with the the comments and everything. It was. It's always a lot of fun having her on, man. And uh, shout out to her hub, hubby Chris. We got to chat a little bit after the show. Just uh, amazing people, man. I love the the Packer fans that we've met along the way here. It's been absolutely awesome. But Tom Silverstein, uh, Spoon himself, tweeted this out last night, Tim. At about uh, 8.35, I guess it was, Eastern time, <clears throat> he said, as new D.C., Jeff Halfley builds a staff, two Packers defensive assistants who will not return are passing game coordinator Greg Williams and inside linebackers coach Kurt Olivadotti, uh, a source said. Olivadotti will join the staff of new Seahawks coach Mike McDonald. So there you see uh, Olivadotti is going to join that crew over there. I'm sure there's some kind of ties along the way. You know, it's one of the names we first mentioned, Tim, when we started talking about how how will this coaching staff shake up. I pointed out that playing linebacker in a 34 is way different than playing linebacker in a 4-3. So you're probably going to see um, Jeff Halfley want to bring in his own guys. I know Ryan Slip was on this before anyone about potential candidates. He actually 
predicted that we would hire the new defensive line coach, which we're going to talk about next. And he's also saying, hey, there's a slight chance that they could bring in the linebacker coach and co-defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know if it's Duggan or Dugan, um, but we'll talk about him here in a second as well, Sean Dugan. So uh, with that being said, here is your new D-line coach, Tim. Sometimes, man, you just got to you gotta line people up for the coaching staff and say, all right, if we were in a bar fight, that's the guy I want on my side. Look at this cat, bro. <laughs> He's a huge, huge human being. I think he played when he played at Duke, and he played uh, – I think he spent one year in the UFL back in 2010, and then he spent one year with the uh, Washington uh, football team there. Um, I think in 2010 as well, they picked him up. But this guy – he was – I can't remember how tall he was, but over 300 pounds, just a massive human being, defensive line for Duke. I posted on Twitter a highlight reel, a brief like draft highlight reel of him at Duke. Um, you know, it, it's important to have some of these position coaches, the majority of these position coaches being players that's actually played in the trenches and know what it's like to have your, your bell rung a couple times, right? It's uh, – sometimes you get some of these guys in here, Tim, and they, they're coaching and, and the players rolling their eyes like, yeah, okay, you've never – you're, you've never done what you're asking me to do here. So uh, I like this hire. You guys know I wasn't big on the results that they got at BC. We'll talk about some of uh, some of the results they got with him as defensive line coach. But, again, you got to kind of throw some of that stuff out. That's the tough part about this Jeff Halfley hire is we're trying to dig through and go, okay, what to expect, what to expect. And uh, everyone's kind of dug into their own thing. They either love him or they hate him. If they hate him, they're going to say, look, he played horrible. They, they were horrible at BC. I think that information is, is is important. If they love him, they try to point out one year he was co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. I look at that and kind of throw it out too because it's like they were their roster was so much better than everyone they played. I, I, I just about think that Emilio could go in there and, uh, and be the D.C. and get results too. <laughs> and Emilio knows more about football than me as far as from a personal standpoint and experience. So uh, with that being said, it's Vince – Ogabasi is how you say the name, I'm pretty sure. Let's kind of look at his profile here real quick. This came from Boston College's website. I'm going to try not to bore you too much with the reading, but I think it's important to understand his background. You'll notice they kind of cherry-picked. This was his bio there at BC. You'll notice they don't mention very many uh, statistics from you know the more current year. It hadn't been uploaded yet. They definitely took a step back defensively. But uh, again, you don't know what the game plan is behind the scenes as far as how they're trying to maneuver. And okay, we're going to give this up this year. Football is always give and take. Yes, you could take something away, but you got to give something else up. And uh, I'd shared the numbers before. I don't want to be too. I don't want to be overly negative about you know this uh, this Jeff Halfley hire and, and pretend like oh he's going to be a bad DC. You really got to throw that stuff out. But uh, Vince Ogabasi begins with his fourth season as the defensive line coach at Boston College. Um, a former standout at Duke, Ogabasi returned to the ACC after a two-year stint at UCLA. Ogabasi helped BC rank third nationally in passing yards. So that that's huge right there. In 2022, I'm sorry, that was back in um, – yeah, that was that was. I'm assuming 2022. They didn't really specifically say there unless that was his first year. Um, but passing yards allowed 173.5 per game during the 2021 season. There it is. The Eagles were also top 30 nationally in six other defensive categories: total defense, red zone defense, first downs allowed, third down percentage, team passing efficiency, and defensive touchdowns. BC ranked fifth in the ACC a year later um, in passing yards allowed at 211.2 and improved from 1.67 sacks per game to 2.25 sacks. So they got some pressure on the quarterback for sure. In 2022, defensive end uh, Donovan 
Ezeruka, I think is how you say it, uh, was named an all-ACC second-team pick with eight-and-a-half sacks and 14-and-a-half tackles for a loss, both the most by an Eagle since 2018. Defensive tackle uh, on Wuka uh, also earned all-ACC honorable mention. Uh, Ogabasi uh, mentored Marcus Valdez into – uh, and all ACC honorable mention uh, defensive end in 2021. Valdez ranked eighth in the ACC with 0.5 sacks per game and was a leader along the defensive front. Um, in his first season at Boston College, Ogabasi uh, oversaw a unit that featured several new faces, including three transfers who started in 2020. Max Roberts joined the program in September and finished with four and a half sacks and six and a half tackles for a loss following the season. Roberts was invited to play in the Hula Bowl um, and signed as a free agent with the Los Angeles Rams following the 2021 draft. So you're kind of seeing some of his resume there. Uh, you know, like I said, back in his playing days, we'll just go all the way to the bottom real quick and, and read that. Ogapasi was a four-year starter as a player at Duke. From 06 to 09, seeing action in 44 games, he registered 165 tackles during his career and finished his career ranked sixth in school history in both sacks, 14, and tackles for a loss, 36.5. During his college career, Ogabasi earned freshman All-American honors in 2006 and twice named honorable mention All-ACC in 08 and 09. He received third-team All-American honors from the Sporting News in 09. So someone who's uh, played pretty well there at Duke, um, obviously uh, had the body for it. There's no doubt about that. And, and again, if you look at the numbers from last year, I ran on through SIS and, and obviously they took a huge step back. And, you know, some people see this and they go tell us the bad part, like you're hiding the bad part. If I don't tell the bad part, people say I'm being a homer. If I tell the good part, people say, or if I tell the good part, people say I'm being a homer. If I, if I tell the bad part, people say I'm hating and I don't like to hire. I'm okay with the hire. It's just important to look at all of the statistics, right? BC points per game last year, this is according to SIS, okay? Um, they allowed 28.3 points per game. Passing yards per attempt, they allowed 7.6. That ranks uh, 84th in the country. And then rushing yards per attempt was 5.1. That was 119th. So it's important to look at all of those statistics, right? Again, he's going to have a lot more to work with, I believe, when he gets to Green Bay. Um, we'll see how it all shakes out. I like the hire. I love that he's a former player. Again, looks like one of those guys you want to take with you to a bar fight, and that's always a that's always a win for me. As we flashed up a uh, Bill Belichick there, you gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Belichick's my marker here in all these uh, pictures to keep me on track. But uh, that's kind of how uh, how Ogabasi shakes out. Now, here was the news that came in. Tom Silverstein uh, Spoon said new Packers defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley is bringing in D line coach Vince Ogabasi. With him from Boston College, a source said Ogapasi coached with Halfley with the Niners and also spent time at Ohio State and UCLA. Uh, Ogabasi will replace D-line coach Jerry Montgomery. Now, when I pulled that up, he was not a uh, just a sole position coach, Tim, at, at the 49ers, if I remember correctly. I'm going to try to grab it again here. But, uh, you know, obviously someone who's got some NFL experience there. But what do you think about the hire on the surface, man? Um, you know, change is coming. Um, we kind of saw this, uh, you know, I, I believe he was on your radar. So you were, you were ahead of the ball here on this one. Um, you know, time will tell, I think, um, you know, we talked about how important defensive line is going to be, um, you know, in this scheme that we're predicting that we're going to mm -hmm. see from, uh, Halfley. And, uh, I think having, you know, a fresh look and a new approach is, 
you know, something good, some, somebody that can clearly relate to young players uh, having just, you know, coming out of the uh, NCAA. So, you know, I think this is going to prove to be a good hire, um, you know, and uh, congrats to, uh, you know, Jerry Montgomery moving on. I believe uh, he got hired in New England. I think I saw that. So, um, you know, change is on the horizon here. So, uh, you know, time will tell. But uh, again, this is going to be really interesting to uh, watch how uh, this defense comes together. And you see we're adding the pieces uh, as we speak right now. So the Packers wasting uh, no time putting together this staff. Yeah, definitely. Now, when you look at some of the specifics here, what I was referring to, six foot five, three hundred and three pounds. I don't think any player is gonna gonna buck on this cat. In the you know, league. hey, in a, in a pinch, I mean, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe he jumps out there too, plays a little three tech or something. <laughs> and he comes to the sideline, coach, man. I got a stinger. Oh, put put a helmet on. Oh, get in. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so he played for the Hartford. Uh, Colonials in 2010, which is the UFL team. Um, that'd be a good time to put the who? <laughs> Washington. Uh, he played for uh, Washington in the NFL in 2010 as well. Uh, Offseason and or practice squad member only is what it's saying. So he didn't actually see time in the game. It sounds like he was either on the roster in the offseason or on the practice squad. Nonetheless, that carries weight. Like you made it to that level, right? You were on the radar. Yep. And the old saying, those who can't teach, right? So, uh, I like the hire. Again, he was with Duke as a graduate assistant from 2011 to 2012. He then went to Ohio State from 2013 to 2015 as a graduate assistant. So you see he went from Duke to a much larger program as far as football program goes. Uh, Then he went to the Niners in 2016 and 2017. He was the assistant defensive line coach. Okay, So he wasn't the defensive line coach, but the assistant defensive line coach. A good way to kind of get your foot in the door there, right? Get, get, you know, get a little taste of what the NFL is. And you've probably seen firsthand, all right, here's here's how everything operates. He then left there and went to UCLA for two years, 2018 and 2019 as a defensive line coach. And then uh, Boston College, obviously, from 2020 to the present, um, where he uh, was uh, obviously hired by the Green Bay Packers. He was the defensive line coach there. So two stints as defensive line coach. And that's what, from 2018 to 2023, I guess you could say. So five years experience, six years experience as the defensive line coach and a couple years experience as the assistant defensive line coach at the NFL level. I like the hire. Once you dig through it, um, I- I'm eager to see what they do with this group. And, uh, you know, I, I know that uh, I know there's some people that are kind of skeptical. I've seen that come across Twitter. I've gotten plenty of DMs of people saying, what the hell are we doing? It's like, Let's all slow down, okay? Just calm down. <laughs> these, these guys know what they're doing, right? Um, and I know there's some people, podcasters, that like to dog LaFleur and his ability to, to hire coaches. Um, I just still roll my eyes when I hear them talk. They, they like to hear themselves talk, and they think they're smarter than they are, and they think, they're, they, think they know more than NFL coaches. It just It's mind-boggling to me. But uh, anyway, that's how that shakes out. Let's look at the coaching room now, Tim, and then we'll get to the chat, see if we're missing anything in there. So um, I love the, don't you love the ghetto graphic here? I'm just, I'm, I'm until Green Bay updates it, we're going to do our own. So obviously we got the, the family feud X's over the play or over the coaches that are, that are going to be gone here. Um, I thought I had had the, uh, yeah, I think I overlooked it here. Let's go back to this one real quick. First of all, um, Tom Silverstein had reported uh, that as new DC Jeff Halfley builds a staff, two Packers defensive assistants who will not return are passing game coordinator Greg Williams and inside linebackers coach Kirk Olivadotti. A source said Olivadotti would join the staff of the new Seahawks, like we said earlier. So you can see we got them crossed out now. 
Um, we've got, uh, obviously, uh, Vince uh, Ogabasi is your new defensive line coach. They have confirmed that both Ryan Downard and Jason Rebervich will be returning, okay? And we feel really comfortable with that. Anytime the news breaks that, hey, this coach is returning, it's pretty set in stone. They got that from the coaching staff, the general managers, someone right there within the building. So Ryan Downard will continue to be the defensive backs coach. Now, what's interesting here is the passing game coordinator, Greg Williams, was let go. Yeah. Right. So that makes you wonder. We haven't heard that Ryan Downard has been promoted to passing game coordinator. So it kind of makes you feel like Jeff Halfley is going to bring in his own guy to be the passing game coordinator. Now, here's the other thing, too. That's his specialty. Jeff Halfley, you guys heard uh, Coach Haddad talk about it. Like the one thing, one thing I can guarantee you you're getting with Jeff Halfley is a really good defensive backs coach, right? That's his specialty. So he may not even, you know, he, he may not announce a passing game coordinator, uh, you know, based off of the history and how the Packers handle it and everyone else does across the league. I imagine they probably will, but. Make no, make no two ways, you know, two bones about it. This dude, Jeff Halfley, is going to be your passing game coordinator, whether someone else has the title or not. He's yeah. definitely calling the shots there in the secondary. So we'll see what happens with Ryan Downer. As far as Jason Rebervich, they're going to bring him in as a pass rush specialist. We, you know, we kind of talked about, will they just kind of promote him to defensive line coach and running game coordinator? Well, obviously he didn't get promoted to defensive line coach. And just ignore that running game coordinator. To the best of my knowledge, that hasn't been announced yet, although I imagine that's the direction they'll go in. Um, maybe Jeff Halfley looks at the running game and passing game coordinators a little different than what we have in the past. But um, Reverend Rich uh, returning, obviously, is a pass rush specialist. Uh, that's important to know. So, again, Greg Williams out as passing game coordinator. Inside linebacker coach Kirk Olovadati is out. You know, man, Tim, when we looked at the statistics, we look at the PFF grades, we look at the statistics, you watch the tape. The linebackers, the inside linebackers did not play well last year. Yeah. Maybe getting someone in here who can kind of shake things up can help, right? And uh, same thing with the defensive quality control coach, Justin Hood. That's one of the lower tier positions. He's probably looking to bring some people in for that spot there as well. So that's how that sits. Now, another name that you need to kind of take into consideration here, is Sean uh, Sean Dugan, right? Duggan. We need to figure out exactly how to pronounce his name. Who? I need to go pull some podcasts and, and figure out how to, how to pronounce his name. But Tom Silverstein uh, tweeted out, another Boston College coach who, has, who was a natural to join Halfley was co-defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach Sean Duggan. Um, he was a graduate assistant at Ohio State with Halfley and has risen quickly up the ladder, but that hasn't happened yet. Not sure if it's still a possibility. So that's just one of the names to mention. You know, he was on staff as a co-defensive coordinator for Halfley at Boston College. We just let go of our inside linebacker coach. Kind of makes you think, or our linebacker coach, I should say, now that we're probably switching to a 4-3. Kind of makes you wonder, right, Tim, that that might be the next hire right there. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens in that regard. Um, I know the chat was a little bit uh, lit up here earlier this morning. Let's go to the chat. Steve says uh, Joe Barry is linebacker coach uh, for the Miami Dolphins. I know Eric Sutherland mentioned the same thing. Joe Barry to the Dolphins uh, linebacker coach and run game coordinator. Um, I, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, Nick McSwain said the same thing. Dolphins hiring Joe Barry as linebacker coach, run game coordinator. So that news came across the wire this morning. Um, wish nothing but Joe, nothing but the best to Joe Barry. Um, it's obvious. I know people like to pretend like he's a football moron, but isn't it amazing how how many offers he got right out of the gate? 
You know, yeah. people want to interview him for DC. We ne- nobody really looked at that as a realistic opportunity or or you know chance. But uh, you know, him being linebacker coach to me, that's his best fit, and that's why there were rumors that he may hang around as linebacker coach. My guess is Coach Lafleur sat down with Halfley, and Halfley said, "No, I want to bring in my own guy." Yep. And rightfully so, you know. Um, I understand the people that think I don't know. I don't like the idea of the former DC still being on staff. I completely understand that. I really do. Um, it's definitely unorthodox, and I don't know how often, if ever, that's happened. But uh, the players obviously love Joe Barry. They've spoken out over and over and over about it. But uh, he lands down there in Miami with Mike McDaniel. So there you go with that. Carly, how you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Nah, we're doing good. Just hanging out, talking a little ball, drinking a little diesel, you know, the norm. So uh, you got anything you uh, you want to question, comment right off the bat? I know you sent me some questions last night, too, didn't you? Um, that yeah. were actually, I'm going to finish this chat up here. And uh, if you want to handpick one of those questions to read here in a second, um, one that maybe intrigued you the most. Um, basically, last night, she took a picture of the chat because. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It was hard for me to get to all the the questions in the chat, so we're going to hit a couple of those from last night. They seemed really good. Steve in the chat right now says, I feel Johnny Holland could be next joining the coaching staff. Seems like uh, we got two from Sam Fran. Um, Steve, I, I, there's no one on the face of the earth that would want that more than the guy you're hearing talk right now. Yeah. I love Johnny Holland. I love his resume. Uh, just just digging and finding a little bit about him. I would love to see him join the staff. I think it is highly, highly, highly unlikely that he joins the staff. Um, now, I could be wrong, and I hope I am. 
I think it would be absolutely awesome if he did. But uh, I think that's kind of a long shot seeing that we got our D.C., right? Um, we do need a linebacker coach, but that would be somewhat of a lateral move. And I'm sure Sam Fran would just pay him more to stay there, right? Plus, we talked about, you know, the illness he's battling and, and how he probably doesn't want to pack up and move across the country. Um, so with all that being said, there's 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 far too many probably not, probably not, probably not, probably not than, hey, this could work. You know, but I hope I'm wrong there for sure, Steve. I think he's a hell of a coach. There's no doubt about that. Um, Nick McSwain in the chat said, according to Pelissero, was kind of hoping he'd stick around and coach linebackers with the Packers, but makes sense that he's not talking about Joe Barry. I agree. I would have been okay with that move too. Uh, Doug Pointer says, does Goody or Halfley make the decisions on the position coaches? See, that's the thing with us not being behind the scenes. We don't know who actually has final say. Um, I, I feel really, really, really confident in saying – that Matt LaFleur gets final say over the coaching staff, just like Goody gets final say over the personnel, the players they bring in. And the reason I say that's because it's been, you know, widely known and talked about as soon as they restructured the organization, it was going to be kind of a three-headed monster. It was going to be Mark Murphy, CEO, he's one voice. Matt LaFleur, head coach, he's one voice. And Brian Gutekind's GM, he's one voice, and they meet regularly to talk about these things. And one of the things that Mark Murphy wanted to do is, in his own words, tear down the silos because when Ted Thompson was here, it was the GM just brung the talent in and, hey, make it work, right? And that's not to knock Ted Thompson. There's many organizations that operated like that and still do. Um, that's just something that they wanted to change because the coaches are kind of left going, okay, well, he really doesn't fit my scheme. Yes, they had input, but it sounded like, the old regime would just kind of, hey, look, here's your players. Go coach them. Now there's a lot more interaction, it sounds like. So with that yeah. being said, um, as far as the coaches, the positions, the position coaches that are being hired, I think it's LaFleur and Halfley. And I imagine there was some kind of agreement going in when Halfley accepted the D.C. job that, hey, I, I want the ability to bring in my own coaches, right? So if I had to guess, Doug, Halfley, it he's got his pick, right? He can bring in whoever he wants to bring in. And I'm sure LaFleur is there for him to bounce ideas off of with him having very little NFL experience, he being Halfley. So there you yeah. go. Carly, do you have uh, – go ahead, Tim, do you have something? No, no, I was just going to say that I agree. You know, I think we, we're probably kidding ourselves if we don't think that, you know, Goody and LaFleur and, and Mark Murphy are communicating um, when it comes to any of these – any of these hires, but uh, yeah, I'd like to think that our head coach has the, the final say, and I'm sure he's, you know, leaning to his left and looking at his, his new hire at DC and probably bouncing some ideas off of him as well. I'm, I'm sure Halfley has input um, on his staff. So, uh, you know, a lot of change coming and uh, we'll just take it as it comes. Definitely. Cheesehead Murph in the chat said, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I like it. I like it. That's a Photoshop waiting to happen right there. Um, all right, Carly, do you have one of those questions? Maybe your favorite question that uh, that you seen last night? Yeah, um, I thought this was an interesting one. It was from Donovan Schilling. And he said, how would you guys feel about Rodgers coming back to coaching Green Bay when he's done <laughs> playing? Think he'd be any good offense or defense? Have Woo. you watched the Jets? Yeah games yeah. at all this Aaron Rodgers <laughs> Aaron Rodgers will never be a coach period um and people immediately think that's a shot at Rodgers it's not he's been very very open in talking about the time it takes to be a coach and uh 
if he's not interested in attending off-season activities, he's he's damn <laughs> sure not going to be interested in sleeping at the facility, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't mean to laugh, but um, there's zero chance. As a matter of fact, there's negative five percent chance that Aaron Rodgers is is going to be a coach. You know, my money that is, he probably retires and takes that big bag of money to an island and you know goes on a soul searching retreat or you know, lives the good life. <laughs> that would be yeah. what I think, but maybe not. What about like some advisory role? Maybe not. I was, getting, I was just thinking that I was, I was running it through my mind going, could, could he, could you ever see him miss the game after five years of retirement? And then kind of like, Hey, I want to get back in an advisory role where I don't have all those responsibilities. I'm just hanging around the building. The the Packer fans that hate Aaron Rodgers just went, no way. I don't want him back in the building. Um, and I get it, man, especially with all the stuff that's going on with the Jets right now. It is funny how he's kind of taking the fall for all that. Everybody's just saying, well, this is Rodgers. This is Rodgers. I just don't see it. It's kind of like what Jake said last night with the whole change in the play at the line of scrimmage. I don't blame the player for wanting more control over the offense. I don't blame a player for wanting more control within the organization. I blame the organization or the coaches for giving them all that, right? Right. If it is a bad decision. Now, you've seen the greats do it over and over and over. Peyton Manning, that's what made him so great. Um, Tom Brady, same thing. It's why he left New England. He wanted more control, right? And and he knew that Bill was never going to give up that that control there from the top. Yeah. Manning had the most control, right? I mean, I don't – in recent memory. Hearing those stories, oh, my God, man. Um. And to think he had the whole playbook at his disposal, you know, he, yeah. he you, you call an audible, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you better know your plays when you're playing with uh, Peyton Manning for sure. Yeah, and and again, you seen you seen Jordan change the play last year. We showed it over and over and over on Chalk yep. Talk, right? And it's not a bad thing. The coaches aren't sitting back going, "I don't want you changing the play." They want that if you get in a situation where you see something, you go, "Oh wow!" Just yep. one slight change of this play here, like tight end stay in you give me a shake across the middle attack the scene knowing yep. the leverage you see knowing the the zero coverage or whatever look you're getting yeah that man. emotion the little jordan love yeah. head nod hey yeah hey, i need you over here <laughs> hitting that well you've seen it with brock purdy you know the the play that we all threw up on our keyboards uh over yep. last night where christian mccaffrey scored that touchdown that was a specific play where they went to use motion brock purdy looked up and said oh crap we don't have time stay put stay put he kind of changed things right there at the line to make sure they get the playoff. If you take that ability away from your quarterback, right? Now you're really it, it's that's that's when you find yourself calling two timeouts in the first quarter because they get into a spot they don't like to look. I don't like this look, call a timeout. You want them to get to the line quick and be able to change that play if they do get a bad look rather than waste that timeout. Now, can you do it too much? Absolutely. Last year it happened way less often than the year before because you're taking a quarterback who's got four freaking MVPs and a Super Bowl trophy, a Super Bowl MVP. You're taking him out and putting in a first-year starter. Of course, that leash is going to be a little bit small. And and it wasn't like Jordan ain't able to do this. Matt said it from the beginning at training camp. He said, I want to take as much off his plate as possible. We can just go out there and play freely, right? And yep. I think he did that. And then on the back half of the season, in the first third of the season, he wasn't, he wasn't setting the protection. The second third of the season, you've seen him setting the protection. The final third of the season, um, you know, you, you seen him going out there and changing plays and and changing stuff to line of scrimmage. It's uh, pretty cool to see that whole evolution take place. But Carly, do you got any, any other questions there that they had? Um, can I just comment on the Aaron Rodgers thing? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, as far as like 
him being a coach or coming back in Green Bay, maybe an advisory role. I don't really, I don't think that would be probably the best use of his skills. Right. Um, but I could see him going on to do something like a TV thing, like with Pat McAfee or doing like really breaking into that arena because I think he enjoys that. And I think he can explain himself, even if his opinions sometimes are a little bit out there for the mainstream, whatever. And I just, I could see him kind of excelling in that area, just by two cents. No, yeah, I, I could totally see that too. He uh, he's got the personality, he's got the dry sense of humor, the sarcasm. Um, it would have to be someone who uh, a network that's that's not filtered, you know, obviously, because Aaron's going to tell you. Aaron went into the ESPN studios and basically sat at the ESPN desk with Pat McAfee and said, "This whole place." does nothing but spread rumors. <laughs> that's basically what he said on that live show. So yeah, I don't think it would be, that's why the network members attack him. You know, they're good soldiers. They want to, you know, try to try to protect their brand, their label, if you will. And, and that's what's so hilarious about the Pat McAfee show being on ESPN is like, they have been so openly critical of ESPN. ESPN threw them the bag because they wanted that viewership because McAfee's just ripping the ratings out of the frame on YouTube and then they still come in and take these little side shots. Like Pat was talking earlier this week about being on uh, Radio Row and going to the Super Bowl. And he's like, yeah, there's going to be people walk by us right there, and they're going to wave and smile that have talked absolute crap about us all year long. And I'm looking forward to it. So it makes things a little tense for sure. But I, I couldn't see Aaron doing it for like a, a CBS, a Fox, or an ESPN. But if they did one of their like, sideline cast where like they have them on the sideline for the you know, college national championship or one of these NFL games, you know, the McAfee and the boys, I could see him doing something like that for sure. That's a great point, Carly. Definitely. Um, I like what Paul says too. Paul said Rogers should, uh, would be a shaman before a coach. I believe that he'd be down there in the jungle drinking that tea telling people, uh, yeah, that's hilarious, man. A tea, tea? like a tea leader. I tried this one chilling that set my mouth on fire and I had to drink a tea leader of Mountain Dew. Oh my, this is like Eric Sutherland too. ESPN is the giant skid mark of sports media. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. We gotta say allegedly. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, Carly, do you got any uh, any other questions there from yesterday you want to hit on? I think Carly might have stuff. Hang on, I'm changing a diaper. <laughs> I love it. You get where what other show are you getting this kind of coverage, guys? Are you kidding me? We're we're changing the world one diaper at a time. I love it. That's Things could be a lot worse. I could be a Bears fan. <laughs> this would be a good a good point to uh to kind of take a uh, a quick video break here what do you think tim um we've got a video it's called uh i just labeled it jordan love one-on-one -on -one. i think it was larry mccarran sat down and did a one-on-one -on -one interview with jordan love really cool kind of end of the year thing i don't know when it was recorded it was just posted the other day you can find it for free on packers.com their youtube channel and their twitter account they shared it on there too i believe really cool video and I'm just telling you, man, every time he speaks, I'm more and more impressed with Jordan Love and his maturity. I'm so excited that this dude's leading this franchise in the foreseeable future. But uh, here we go. Here's Larry McCarron, The Rock, with Jordan Love. Jordan, it's been a season of stepping up. But it's hard to do. It doesn't happen very often. It happens every week for you guys. Is there any explaining that? I think the explanation for that would be just the guys we got in the locker room. You know, everybody's 
trying to put on and perform for the guy next to them. They're trying to put on their best performance to, to make sure they don't let anybody down. I'd say that's the best way I can explain it. Um, you know, guys are getting opportunities in roles that maybe they haven't had before, and uh, they're stepping up and, and performing uh, when their name's called. So, But I think it all ties into to who we got in the locker room, and those guys are just trying to make plays for each other and be there when their name's called. He's got He's got In the end zone, it's a touchdown! Bo Melton! You've had a ton of terrific plays this season. One of them came against Tampa Bay. Play breaks down, protection breaks down, it's off schedule. You fire off your right foot, that seems anatomically impossible to me. <laughs> off your right foot, fire an absolute strike to Jaden Reed. I mean, the margin for error was zero. Was that play special to you in any oh, way? Oh yeah, that was super special. Just because um, scramble drill is something that we work all the time. We've been working since OTAs and that's one of the areas I think we've improved so much at with the young receivers, things like that. Um, and them just being able to find ways that when the play breaks down, when I get out of the pocket of where they need to be, and now we're, we're starting to make those plays, but that, that one was special. Jerry made an awesome catch getting the toes in right there. That was a pretty sweet play. I'll remember, I'll remember that one. Right side of the end zone, got his man James. Reed, touchdown! Could you describe the journey that this season has been for you? A roller coaster. That, that'd be the best word to describe it. Been a lot of highs. Looking for more than a first down. He's Throws the end zone. Touchdown! A lot of lows. Throws it back over the middle. No. And it is intercepted. No. You know, a lot of great learning points throughout the season and a lot of, you know, fun wins. So I think it's definitely been a roller coaster of emotions, roller coaster of a season, but um, it's been a fun journey. Jordan, to an observer like me and a lot of other folks, you checked every box. How about for you? Have you answered every question and checked every box about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, I, like I always say, I'm confident in my ability and uh, all I needed was opportunity. I knew that there would be no doubt in my mind once I got on that field, I was going to go out there and make plays um, and the guys around me were going to step up. So, you know, that was never a doubt in my mind. And obviously now it's just turning into how we can continue to get better, how I can find ways to get better, improve my game and go win as many games as possible and get that Super Bowl. It's my quarterback. Damn right, Tim. Very well said, my friend. <laughs> Man, you can just see like the the progression he's made, like even just doing these interviews and like, you know, doing pressers and dealing with, you know, media. Obviously, he's got, you know, home home field advantage there with the rock. But um, you know, Jordan's more poised when it comes to talking about himself. You know, you could tell, you know, training camp early on in last season that he was just um, you know, not quite as comfortable. Uh, talking about himself, not used to the the cameras and the the media in his face all the time. And now it's like full circle, man. He looks, you know, like a pro's pro up there and just proud of that kid, man. Like you said, I echo the same sentiment. I'm so happy that he's QB1 for hopefully the next 20 years, you know. Definitely. I know Carly's, uh, Carly's back from the diaper change here. Love it. Um, we got confirmation. Maybe she is. I don't know. Yeah. You well, sure about yeah. that? Maybe not. All right. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I love it, too. I love SDM40 said uh, Devontae Adams quote. Remember that year that the flu was going around? He said, wash your hands, wash your butt. <laughs> we need that drop. We got to get that drop, Tim. We got to have that here. Let me call uh, Devontae and make sure uh, he's okay with that. We'll, <laughs> no, we'll get it clear. Right. 
<laughs> we were chilling last night, actually. Um, so, Carly, what do you think about uh, Jordan Love? I mean, it seems like he continues to impress us, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's really cool. It's I mean, obviously, you guys know I'm not the best at evaluating QB play because it's just I've been at this such a short amount of time. But it's really I just putting it all together. It's like I don't cringe when he says stuff on national media or in front of interviews, which is awesome. And I just yeah, I like I like having I mean, as a whole team, like I just I really like having people on the team that I feel like I can respect. And it's um yeah, it's really exciting. It makes watching the game a whole lot more fun. Love it. Love it. Did you have, uh, was there any, before the dopper exploded, did you have any uh, any other questions from yesterday we needed to hit on? I wanted to make sure we got those, if, if there was any more that you wanted to kind of touch on. Yeah, this was, so since we were kind of talking about Love and Rogers, I think this kind of segues well, and I would like to know if it's, like, what you guys think of, if it's true or not, um, or how much is it true, maybe, is probably a better way to say it. But um, Drew D last night said, Love changes plays based on the D, Rogers changed plays based on what he desired. No, that's no, no, no. I gotta respectfully disagree with that. I will uh, tell you the Rogers changed plays based on the defense or yeah. to manipulate a defense. And that's where Jordan learned a lot of what we're seeing him do right now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, absolute maestro when it comes to, you know, he could literally change a defense's coverage to what he wanted to see. And, you know, Clayton talks about hat count and matchups and, you know, 12 was one of the best at doing that. And you see a lot of that in Jordan's um, approach uh, pre-snap. We've seen it all year and we're going to continue to see it. So I don't I don't agree with that at all. I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to like, first of all, you got to understand the the comment before you can comment on the comment. And I'm trying to understand, okay, what would that look like? He's going to come Could to the be, line. Could it be like trying to force it to Devontae Adams maybe because he didn't want to throw it to the rookies because they dropped it or some, kind of something like that? That's at least what I'm imagining. And I don't think Drew D is here right now to clarify, but that's kind of what I was thinking he might be saying. Yeah, well, the problem with that is like if you guys haven't read up on the 22 – I have several books on Green Bay's offense from like 2020 and 2021. And Matt LaFleur had said over and over and over, we want this offense to go through Devontae Adams. And that's – that's why I keep coming back to the coaches. Like it's it's an easy, it's an easy way to just try to put down Aaron Rodgers to say, well, this was just all Aaron Rodgers. Nobody was complaining in 2020 and 2021 when the when the offense takes a step back in 2022, which you know obviously without Devontae Adams and your receiving core led the league in drops. Oh, and Aaron Rodgers had a broken thumb. Like all these things compiled. And now all of a sudden it's he's being selfish. He don't want to run what they want to run. And and not one you won't find one clip of Matt LaFleur saying that. So I'm trying to I'm trying to picture it. Aaron comes to the line. We're in a two by two set. He looks up and they got shell coverage, right? And we're in a passing play. Yep. And he's going to check to a run play. Is it going through his mind? I don't care what the defense is doing here. I want to do something that makes me look good. You might have an argument, a slight argument, if we're talking, if we're talking sixteen or seven, you know, like McCarthy's last hurrah here. Maybe, maybe there was some, hey, I don't like this play call. I'm going to call this. But even that's that's a stretch. I think. I think Aaron's approach is, you know, best move for the offense. And like you said, you know, if I'm if I'm reading something, I'm going to trust my read and I'm going to make a change. If anything, you're you're more upset with a quarterback who doesn't 
make that change pre-snap. Absolutely. And then you're, you're throwing right into the teeth of, you know, some really good coverage. It's like, so I, I don't know. I think it's a stretch. There's Drew. He said it basically means that love plays within the system and Rogers has his own system. It doesn't yeah, mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. Um, yeah. Like you can, you can go back. The argument two years ago was what happened to the motion? We had all the motion disappeared. And as people were saying that we actually ran more motion that year than we did the year before. I'm almost positive. We ran more motion the last year Rogers was here than we did this last year with love. So it was, it's this constantly evolving argument back and forth of, well, he, he changed this. He'd done that. This is his own system. When, when he came into, this is, this is what I kept trying to point out last year, watching the tape and looking at all of the formations, you can tell what a coach is trying to do by the formations. If Rogers was running his own system, you would have seen four and five wide sets. I'm not talking about receivers. I'm talking about things completely spread out constantly. You didn't see that. You've seen all the condensed sets, everything that we ran this year, we ran last year with Aaron Rodgers. So this whole idea that, well, it's a totally different system under Rodgers, it's just, it's not true. And I'm open to someone saying, well, here, Clayton, here's where you're wrong. They actually ran this, this, and this, and they ran motion this, this, and this, and you can see it changed with Rodgers. When LaFleur came in in 2019, what was the big topic that offseason? That we were going to merge LaFleur's ideas with some of the McCarthy concepts, some of the things that Aaron liked to run, and we were gonna we were gonna have a game plan to move forward that way. And that was that was the transition period. And that's and we've seen that. You've seen some of McCarthy's stuff. You've seen some you know how I know that? Because people absolutely hated it. I just want to see LaFleur's offense. I just want to see LaFleur's offense. Finish the year, you win 13 games, that cools down. The next year, you've seen the similar approach. Now, I've read the book, which basically breaks down every single aspect of that 2021 offense, right? It, it a Phenomenal book, breaking down all the concepts, all the different things that they did. That year, what you've seen was a little more towards what Matt LaFleur wanted to do. So you went 2019 was a hybrid. 2020 was a hybrid. 2021 started to push into LaFleur. 2022 was the most Matt LaFleur offense you will ever see. It it, it slowly merged into Matt LaFleur's offense. People don't want to accept it because 2022 was a big stinky pile of crap on offense, right? Now, 2023 comes up. We start the year. It's still that big stinky pile of crap. LaFleur adjusts toward the backside of the backside of the, of the, uh, the season you get into the second third of the season and you started reducing the complexity of the running game and things just opened up. We asked Mike wall, Mike, what's wrong with this running game? Why do the offensive linemen look lost? And you know what his answer was in the first four weeks of the season, you're seeing the effects of not having a four-time MVP, getting your coaches and getting your players out of bad plays and into good plays. That was his answer. Now, maybe I ain't going to say, I trust Mike walls. All I'm going to say now, and, and what's funny is Mike Wall is not a big Rodgers fan, but Mike Wall is going to watch the tape and say, hey, here's what's actually happening, you know, just like he did with Devondre Campbell last year. He said, I hate to say it, but you could get a lot better at linebacker, right, like pointing out those things. So I, I'm so – here's the problem with the whole Rodgers thing. All last year and the year before – I mean, you can trace it back, guys. Like I'm just going to be real for a second. Can I be real for just a second? 
anybody who hates on Aaron Rodgers, I challenge you to do something. Go to their Twitter page and search Aaron Rodgers and sort it by latest and go back through time and look at how they commented on Aaron Rodgers. When he came out and said that he was immunized and that whole story broke, you will find that all the negative comments started happening after that point. Maybe not everyone, but a large, large, large majority of the people that hate on him. That's the issue I have with all the Rodgers bashing, is it turned into that. Now, you got a couple other things behind the scenes with the GM and them not getting along this and that. It was time to move on. It is what it is. The problem I have is if it was time to move on, why in the world did you give him that contract and set the franchise back for another year or two? Imagine if you had had $41 million last year to work towards the cap, how how much further ahead we could be. That was a bad move. Um, and I'm one who defends Goody. You've, you've heard me. I've, I've said Goody, you know, Goody's draft and everything that's happened here recently. I think it was an olive branch, like Michael Lombardi says. You know, the best way to tell someone you're sorry is, is with money. <laughs> I think that's what they did to him was like, hey, look, we want you to retire here just like they did with Brett. And uh, Aaron, like I said, with the whole darkness retreat, and it's just such a bizarre offseason. I'm just glad it's over. What I was getting at is all these people that bash on and bash on and bash on were the same ones last year that were saying, I'm so sick of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. I can't wait till he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And here we are talking about him again. <laughs> That's the part that, that gets me. And it's not the people that liked him going, hey, man, remember when Aaron did this or that? It's the ones who didn't like him and didn't want to talk about him. Now they want to talk about him again. Nope. It's just it's mind-boggling. Um, what's what's great is we got another great quarterback. I, I think all signs, and it's early, but all signs are pointing to this is another franchise quarterback. Yep. Like that's exciting, man. Let's let's focus on that moving forward rather than continuing to go back and you know what I'm saying? Like again, we want to answer questions though. It's just that's my opinion. I well, I need to get better at just saying, Yeah, I'd rather not comment and just move on. You know, I just don't want people to think we don't want to talk about what they want to talk about, you know. Just uh, just tell them on my knee. Um, I love we keep showing that, and most people don't know the background behind it. If you know the background <laughs> behind that video, you're going, man, that look at that dude's eyes. <laughs> it's just, for him to go back and lead that comeback, man, I love the screen grab going into halftime too. But yeah. anyway, uh, uh, Dick in the chat, and, uh, said, Clayton, can I can I mention something real quick? Yes, ma'am. I think so. I, what I was going to say, and then Drudy kind of confirmed it. Um, mm -hmm. just commenting on or an observation that that you think based on what you see i don't think that drew was hating on rogers and i don't think everybody that comments on that is like hating on him and he does say that he says for the record i wasn't hating on rogers more of a description of the type of changes i think you can see in the type of audibles um and so i just yeah i just want to kind of to defend the people that sometimes do want to talk because now that you for people like me like he's the only quarterback i really ever saw play and so yeah. now that he's gone it's like a time to process what we saw and see how it could be different and that takes some time and it takes some talking about. So I'm glad that people are bringing it up, especially when it relates to like maybe his play style and stuff and maybe not so much his personality. Just a thought. Got it. Yeah. Andrew, like you said, thank you for pulling it up. Carly uh, says for the record, I wasn't hating on Rogers, more of a description of the type of changes. I think you can see in the type of audibles love says can and Rogers changes every wide receiver. That's he didn't change every wide receiver. You've, you've got trying I mean, Roger said can you, you've also. got can plays. Okay. You got That's every part of the scheme. within every play call, there's a can play baked in, which basically means you come to the line and you can can to this other play. But there's also other aspects of changing the play at the line of scrimmage. Like you can come in and you could straight up audible to a different play. It's not Rogers going, Hey, you run this, you run that, you run that. 
people play too much Madden. It doesn't work like that. He's not going to, hey, you you run a fly. You give me a slant. I want to pivot. You just right. sit down. Jones, you give me a chipping. That's not what's happening. You might have They're one choice, choice route in there or something, you know. That's why. See, that's the other thing that people, they, they don't truly understand. The choice route aspect of the offense, LaFleur talked about it last year. That that whoever plays F, whoever plays flyer, they've got to understand the choice, the choice routes. What it means is when they come to the line, how many times did you see Aaron Rodgers get pissed off and walk off the field and he's pointing at a receiver, right? You know what? He's not pointing at him because, you know, hey, you didn't run the right route. He's pointing at him because he didn't read the DB correctly, which led to him not running the right route, right? That's the choice aspect of it. If they're showing outside leverage and they hop in, I want you to give me a post corner. If they're showing inside leverage and they hop out, I want you to give me a corner post. Like, this this is the new NFL, that aspect of it. But the whole idea that he's just going out there and going, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you'll see them can to zebra, zebra, or, you know, whatever. whatever Yellow Wanda. Yeah, what was the one he said? Uh, Allie Berry, Allie Berry. New York Bozo, New York Bozo with, with, uh, <laughs> with Chris Christie. Is that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've had a lot of them. And and when you can out of a play or you check, 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 whatever, whatever the, the cadence or the code word is, you're canning to another concept designed by your coach or your OC. Right. You're not, you're not drawing on your hand in the sandlot. Hey, guys, right. this is what we're going to do. Now, has he done that in the past? Yeah. And people absolutely loved it. You know, you know, the whole cook play. Yeah. That was him drawing that up in the sand <laughs> with the game on the freaking line. Now, to go back to Jordan Love, you say that Jordan just uses can plays, right? He just cans. That's all he does. He's not changing the play. We showed it on Chalk Talk. He came to the line, recognized, do a hard count. By the way, those hard counts are designed by Matt LaFleur to gather information so the quarterback can then change the play, not can. It's not just the can. It's to change the play. He comes out, completely changes the play, walks up and down the line, shouts two or three things out to him, two or three things out to him. He's probably hollering concepts. Let's change that concept. Let's change that concept. Why you stay in safe. Let's attack the scene. They're in zero. Ready? We got two. We got to go. We got to go. Ready? Go. That Like, Jordan did that last year. It yep. worked. If Aaron does that and it doesn't work, this guy won't run the offense. And what's crazy is – it worked for so freaking long. Yep. <laughs> Nobody has an issue when you're, you know, whatever, throwing, you know, 30, 38 touchdowns and four interceptions. But when things don't work, it's that society that we got to throw that guy under the bus. He's a problem. This year it was Joe Barry. It started yep. off being Jordan Love. People forget that. It started off being let's throw Jordan Love under the bus. Yep. And then it ended with Joe Barry. But anyway, yeah, I don't – like you said, Drew, we can agree to disagree, man. I don't I don't see Rodgers going out there and telling every receiver to to do, you know, do something specific. I'll tell you too, top tier quarterback or not, if you're in the NFL and you're you're doing your own thing and you're not you're you're disregarding the coaches and the game plan and the scheme, you're not going to have a job very long. It doesn't really matter who you are. Right. To be honest. Doug Pointer says, "Do you think that taking a person who embraces the Green Bay culture and subsequently thrives here gives us an advantage in contracts?" Look at Greg Jennings. He fell off the map with his finger in the air. Um, the Jennings thing was fascinating too, because obviously he was a great receiver. And uh, you know, there was he's he's been openly, he's openly bashed Rodgers for a long time, right? Um, with Jennings, I think he found out real quick the grass ain't greener on the other side. 
he goes to Minnesota and does absolutely nothing, right? He might have had one good year, fell off the map. I think it's pretty obvious what was going on there. That was Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were the, uh, you know, were the the fuel that made that car go in Green Bay. He goes to another team, and he looks like Cheeks. So he, he got what he wanted. He went out of Green Bay, and uh, obviously it didn't work out for him. Number one Packer fan, happy birthday to my son, Will. He is 20 years old today. Happy birthday, Will. Hope you have a great day, buddy. Um, Ron Sandwell in the chat says, if some, if Washington trades away Jonathan Allen, would the Packers be interested and at what cost? Jonathan Allen, and he's, a, he's an interior defensive lineman. Isn't he? Am I thinking right, Tim? Do you know who Jonathan Allen is? Put me on the spot here, man. Yeah, me too. I've, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a defensive lineman. He might be able to play edge too. Um, I don't know. We'd have to look at his contract and stuff, Ron. That's that's kind of a that's a tough question to just just take on the fly. Um, you know, am I am I opposed to bolstering the defensive line? Absolutely not. But like we pointed out, if we're switching to a four three defense, we're going to be a nickel the majority of the time anyway, which would be two interior defensive linemen. Uh, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the outside. If Preston Smith returns, if he don't, it'll most likely be Lucas Van Ness. You can see that room's kind of full there. Now, you can never have too many defensive linemen, don't get me wrong. You've seen Philly do it over and over and over. They keep reloading at defensive tackle. I think our need is more at the safety position than anything. I think safety, corner, and linebacker over defensive line, just how it sits. If we were staying with the 34, you guys know I was very vocal all year. We need to get us a solid defensive lineman, one of those guys that can anchor the defensive lineman plus get after the quarterback consistently. We've got the the, the dogs that can get after the quarterback. We need that guy that can play the run just as good as the pass, right, with the run fit, the tackling ability, all that stuff. So um, on the surface, I would say no, Ron, but you can't really rule anything out. We've got room that we can free up cap space, um, the question is, how aggressive does Goody want to be with it? Um, I, you know, seeing that we finished as one of the hottest teams in the league. By the way, I'm rooting for the Niners in the Super Bowl. Some people are going, what in the world? I'm turning this off right now. Here's why. We we almost beat the 49ers, right? Created a ton of momentum. We were this close to beating the Niners. If they win the Super Bowl, what does that tell everyone else in the league? And, and listen – I have preached and embraced that underdog's role all year long. It was fun. It was a nice change of pace. We're not used to that as a Packer fan base. We are not underdogs anymore. We're going to go into next season and people are going to go, holy cow, this team, this is a top three team, a top five team. It could very well be that, right? And it's going to depend on how they start and what they do in the offseason as well. But uh, I just – I like the idea of – Looking looking into the offseason as we get into the offseason uh, moves and stuff with free agency in the draft and and going, you know what? The the team that knocked us out of contention actually won the whole thing. I think that's kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just going to be interesting to see how, how the Super Bowl plays out. And I think we are the hottest team. I say that because if – if you look at the salary cap, yeah, we can move some money around and free up. Like I said, I think it's very, very reasonable we can free up, you know, 20 to 25 million, no problem. Um, it's actually pretty doable. You could free up 50 million if you wanted to, although I don't think they'll do that and I don't think they should do that. Uh, like Drew pointed out before, the max restructure is 85 million. There's no way they'll get anywhere close to that, nor should they. Um, but you kind of think Goody's probably sitting back going, hey, look, we got, got one of the better teams in the league. Everything's clicking. Let's get the majority of these guys back if we can for the right price, add a few key pieces and keep it moving. So I don't think you're going to see like a, a huge over, you know, um, turnover there, I guess you could say in players, but 
Yeah, number one Packer fan said, NFL game scheme is like project management. There are multiple methods to doing the job right, and you can use one method based on the organization, but there are times where a hybrid approach works as well. I think that's very well said, Packer fan. Um, you know, again, when it works, nobody has a problem with it. When it doesn't, then we, uh, you know, you got to kind of, you got to kind of blame people. Donovan says, I hate the Rodgers political stuff, but I do now and will always love the player. I think that's very well said. I, I, I don't like I'm trying to think of how to say this. I respect that Rodgers doesn't care what people think in a, from a sense of I'm just going to say what's on my mind and the heck with it. I respect that's what I like about David Bakhtiari. That's what I like about the McAfee show is they're just going to kind of, before they went to ESPN especially, they're going to talk about what they want to talk about. I don't I don't have an issue with other people's stances on stuff. I can look at it and go, okay, cool, cool. Now, when someone tells me how to think, hmm, that's what I respect about Rogers. Like when people try to tell him what to think, and he says some wacky stuff. And he still, though, he's like, hey, this is how I believe, and, and you're not going to tell me how to think or, or what to say. I respect that. I do. Um, I think, you know, anybody who knows me, I'm a constitutionalist. I believe in free speech. Um, that's why I haven't had a problem with what's what's happened with Twitter. Um, you know, you open it up and you say, all right, everybody's allowed to say what they want to say, and people people immediately make it sound like, so you're okay with terroristic threatening? No. If someone terroristically threatens someone, they got the feds knocking at their door. That's a fact. Right. That happens all the time to pretend yeah, like free, free speech means you say what you want and you're free to suffer any consequences for it. <laughs> they, there are consequences that come along with the stupid stuff that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what I don't want is uh, is for to have these these shadows, you know, behind the scenes, you know, uh, throttling people's opinions and, and trying to maneuver it in a political way where, OK, we, we want to favor this one side. Um, you guys know where I stand politically. I think both sides have lost their damn mind. I think they're so out of touch. They don't know what it's like to be a, a normal uh, U.S. citizen that's trying to provide for their family. And, and all they want is, you know, a safe environment for their kids to go to school and be raised in, in, in the type of environment they want where everyone is protected. And when one side goes, I don't care about that. Um, let's do what we want to do, whether it's the right or the left. I could care less. That's just wrong. Um, so anyway. Here we are on this topic. This is why you try to steer clear of the Rogers stuff. Doug in the chat says Drew's comment uh, is in line with uh, Matt LaFleur comment saying there were times Rogers audibled, but the coaches couldn't even recognize the play that was run. Really? I, I'd love to see that Matt LaFleur comment because I don't remember seeing that. You guys find that for me. I would love to see that. Seriously. Send it to me on Twitter where Matt LaFleur said there were times that Rogers audible, but the coaches couldn't even recognize the play. Andy here's said, a quote from here's a quote from Stenovich that I think is similar to what they were talking about. Okay. A quote from Steno. This is from Andy Apac. Good to see you, buddy. He says, There definitely is a value to that because half of the time when you get done with the drive, sometimes in past years, you're just trying to figure out what play was called. So that's the quote you were talking about. Got it. So him doing stuff on the fly. I like how he said there's a value to that because half of the time it's like that is a positive comment, right? Am I thinking right? Or do y'all take it as a positive comment or a negative comment? I mean, it says it right there. There definitely is a value to that. Yeah. So it sounds like positive, at least coming from Steno here. Right. And, you know, Steno is one of those young coaches too. So, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say. 
<laughs> Again, when it works, we love it. When hey, it doesn't, hey. get him the hell out of here. <laughs> no, Clayton, I looked up the quote in context, um, uh-huh. and it said that it's actually um, Stenovich was saying that um, he that with Aaron he would see stuff and make checks and all that, and you didn't exactly know what was happening at the time. So there was <laughs> sorry about the toddler hitting the windows no, in the I'm background. At the wording of that, it's funny. Yeah, and so um, he is talking about how there is some benefit in love simply doing what he's told. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of just saying that there is some benefit in the way love is playing because sometimes they would not know what was happening when, you know, gotcha. when Rogers was out there. And you know what? Rogers was really, really good at his job. And just because the offensive coordinator didn't exactly know what was happening maybe doesn't necessarily mean it was anything bad because I'll, he was I'll tell you who his. else didn't know what was happening the defense didn't know what the was defense, happening yeah either. the defense exactly <laughs> no doubt um yeah you know and Rogers pointed out last year too it, which is another thing that kind of comes into play he was on the McAfee show and they you guys remember that it was actually on that that video we just posted remember the throw that Jordan put right by the Detroit Lions defender's ear right yeah and it was basically, I remember the play real specific. You had a you had a three-by-one set. You had a trip set, right? And the number one receiver ran a slant. The number two ran a slant. And the number three ran like a quick out. And Rodgers said, I don't, th- I don't think Scoot was supposed to run that out. And he laughed about it. He said, I'm about 95% sure that's not in the playbook. I've seen it in the playbook, but what he's suggesting is the receiver ran the wrong route. You had a lot of that going on, too, and sometimes you're making plays just on the fly. You've seen it with Jordan this year, man. His ability to play imp- – see, that's what I that's where I differ with with some of the people that don't like Rodgers is I, I didn't find myself going, yeah, Jordan's playing within the scheme. I found myself going, Jordan's doing a lot of what Aaron did. Look at him changing the play. Look at him throwing off his back foot. Look at him – now, it burned him there at the end throwing crossbody the last play. <laughs> Guess the Niners. You yeah. talked a little bit about that w- with that clip we just saw with with uh, the Rock, you know, uh, about scramble drill and how right. they work a lot on scramble drill, and that goes back. I mean, we can go back to Brett Favre. I mean, Brett Brett Favre's career was a scramble drill. I mean, yeah. that's that's what we what we do, and your ability to improvise on a busted play because hey, that happens. These guys are all humans. Sometimes you do yeah. run the wrong route, and it's okay to to make something work out of, out of nothing, you know, that's what, Oh, we're going to give him some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no that's doubt. what makes a good quarterback. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, let's see. Uh, it's positive. As you okay. Gotcha. Trying to check out the chat here. Um, Ron Sample says nothing helps the defensive backs like a dominant pass rush up the middle with four. That's, that's what's so like, and, and I understand people are excited. I'm as excited as anyone to figure out what this defense is going to be, but, it's being reported that we're going to be blitzing six a lot and and we're going to be playing, you know, cover one man the large majority of the time. And it's like he's going to rewrite the NFL. He'd be in Halfley if that happens, right? But I think it'll be more along the lines of this right here, Ron, uh, bringing forward because, again, we just brung – we bring in a guy who was an assistant defensive line coach at San Francisco when Sala was there, right? If he wasn't there at the exact time Sala was, obviously they were Shanahan was pushing in that direction. And then you go to what Sala did with the Jets last year, and they brung four 80% of the time, right? So I think it's going to be more in that vein. It could be a hybrid approach. But, yeah, um, you're right, though, man. You get pressure pick coverage sacks, right? We talk about it all the time on the show. You get you get pressure on the quarterback. You're going to force interceptions on the back end if the ball comes out. If it don't come out, you're getting the sack. I'm excited to see what they do with this group. 
uh, for sure. I'm excited to see Rashawn Gary, too. It's been a lot of Rashawn Gary hate here lately. You guys know my opinion watching tape. It's like, to me, it looks like they really tried to control that outside rush to keep these quarterbacks from scrambling all over them like uh, Tommy Cutlets did. Um, now it kind of feels like you're, you know, you may be going in the direction of, all right, if we're just bringing four, then you can kind of pin your ears back and go because you're going to have an extra backer back there uh, in defense kind of with the eyes on the quarterback. I think that'll come into play a little bit too for sure. So uh, we'll see see what happens there. Nick McSwain says, how long is the Niners window really open? They have a lot of studs. Uh, uh, the bill's going to come, come due sooner or later. Yeah, that's the tough part about the NFL, right? You got to pay all those guys. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that window looks like. I, well, I think the window's open. is It's two two factors, in it, in it, and it both includes Brock Purdy. Does Brock Purdy continue to play at the level he's played at, which I think you guys know I've been – I don't understand the slander on Brock Purdy. That guy seems like every one of his teammates love him. They go to bat for him every time they speak at a presser. His numbers were just, I mean, it, unbelievable. You can't in one, one breath talk about how good Jordan Love is and say that Brock Purdy is trash because Brock Purdy actually outperformed Jordan in many of the statistical categories, right? Well, and then one of the things I think it's overlooked, too, is the fact that he basically destroyed his elbow last year on his throwing right. hand or on his throwing <laughs> arm. You know, like he could be yeah. in a conversation for comeback player of the year when it's I all think about that. I forgot all about that. Yeah, that's yep. a good point. You know, he kind of battled through that, too. But to answer your question – how good is he going to continue to play with a league catch on to his style, take away some of the things he likes to do? And then on top of that, um, how long will they have that rookie contract? That that window is open as long as Brock Purdy is playing at a high level and they've got him on that, whatever it is, $700,000, $800,000 a year contract, which is just wild, absolutely wild there. But appreciate it, Nick. Um, Andy says, do we think he blitzed six so often in college because he didn't have the talent to get pressure with four? Um, I like a good blitz at the right time, but blitz crazy gets you beat. Um, I'd say that's probably what it was, Andy, probably trying to manufacture blitz. Now, again, I haven't seen the numbers on how often he actually brung six overall. It That's the problem, too, is like if people have a point they want to make, they're going to cherry pick one specific stat. Like the only number I heard with the blitzing six is on third downs. This guy pulled, you know, I think it was, it might have been, I can't remember who it was, but they pulled numbers on, okay, well, he actually, they blitzed, you know, fifth most in the entire, in, in all of college football on third and long situation. It was like, why, why don't we look at the overall numbers and compare them across the entire league? And then that gives you an idea of, you know, did they do it more than others, right? Because everything is compared, you know, horizontally across, across the league. But the game that I charted, and, again, I did that uh, for the B.C. Florida State game because that was one of the toughest games they played, and they went right down to the wire with them. Uh, what I came up with, the 14 critical plays in that game, the 14 most critical plays in that game, um, which included explosives. Uh, some were touchdowns, but for the most part, it was explosive plays that kind of led to you know the score being what it was toward the end. I came up with 14 plays, and of those 14 plays, they brung five rushers seven times, four rushers six times, and six rushers only once. So by that standard, that's not true that they brung six rushers the majority of the time. Um, just off that 14-play saturation of the FSU game, it doesn't mean that could have been the one outlier and it was totally in the opposite direction. So if someone has those numbers, I'd love to see them. But you ran cover one man eight times of the 14, cover zero four times, uh, cover three zone once and goal line zone once there, uh, which the goal line zone kind of looked like it could have been match principles, which it gets real, 
real iffy down there. One thing that he does like to do that I noticed over and over and over at BC, he being Halfley, is he loves to play zero coverage, zero man inside the 20 in the red zone. So you might see a little more of that as where Joe Barry liked to play shell coverage. The majority of the time that you've seen shell, which is absolutely wild, was when they got in the red zone. And it's why our red zone defense was so good the first half of the season. And it was so good the year before. It seemed like we had one of the top reds. I think we finished. I'd like to see what the, the red zone number ended up being because I think Jason Wildy reported it one day. They finished like it was somewhere right around the top 10, just like the scoring defense and red zone defense. Red zone defense is very important. I think it's something that many people kind of overlook. I know I did for a long time. It's uh, that situational, you know, awareness and play calling. So if you go zero, I'll say that because – they gave up – I can't remember what the number was. I had it wrote down here. I've got notes laying everywhere. Um, they gave up a ton of explosives at BC last year, and it's why you see some sites don't mention exactly uh, what they did. Um, they just mentioned the year before, right, when they had a really good defense, to, at least on the surface of the numbers. But, yeah, BC last year, explosive plays of, 10, of 12 yards or more, meaning passing, yard, passing plays of 12 yards or more as well, I guess is what the guy was referring to. Uh, over the last four years, they gave up 13.3% explosive plays, which was 24th highest in college football. So that's a direct reflection, in my opinion, of playing uh, a little more cover one man as opposed to playing like a shells, you know, cover three. I think you'll see more cover three zone than people are, are realizing when Halfley gets here. Um, I think they'll kind of stick to that mode quite a bit. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the explosives, you can play cover zero man and it, it'll help stop the runnings in the red zone. The problem is you're going to give up a lot of touchdowns. We've seen it against FSU. I mean, all, all he had to do was just, just a wide leak out of zero. And it was, I mean, Jordan Travis just had to pop it up there, you know, just a little lob pass. There was nobody within eight yards of him. So if you get aggressive in the red zone, you're going to give up more points. Me again, you know how I stand. I'm all about how much points are we giving up? That's what I'm worried about. I could care. There's no one who's going to convince me, Clayton, you're going to be dead last in passing yards allowed, dead last in rushing yards allowed, but you're going to give up the few point, fewest amount of points in the league. I'm taking the fewest amount of points, right? Now, obviously, last year, that's what was so wild about Joe Barry's defense is you finished 12th in points per game, and you were in the bottom third of the other categories. What's that tell you? Red zone defense kind of stepped up, and that was because they were playing that shell. We're about to get into zero in the red zone. So it's definitely a, a hit or miss. And I think that's what Packer fans want. Like, honestly, what I've heard Packer fans talk about this year was I'm just so sick of the long drives. I don't care if it ends in three. Uh, I'm just sick of the long drives and them being able to chew up the clock. I'd rather them score quick if they're going to score. Yeah, but I would rather them score three points as opposed to seven. That's just me personally. Um, so we may get it this year. So you may see an increase in the points allowed, um, but, a, a, a you know, uh, uh, less – Time of possession for the opposing team, less rushing yards, less passing yards. So we'll see how that plays out for sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly, Andy. That's what I'm excited about. And, and we'll be talking about training camp, but we don't know what they're going to do. We'll be talking about preseason. We don't know what they're going to do in the regular season. It won't be until about week four of the regular season when we have an idea of here's what they actually did. And it feels like it's a lifetime away. Um, Donovan Schilling said, Who's hating Gary? We march at dawn. Amen, Donovan. I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, Let's see what else we got in the chat here. Let's go through. Um, Ron Sample says, Gary will be another year out from the ACL. I think it will be noticeable this coming year. That's the other thing, too, is like 
we weren't expecting much out of him coming off the ACL. And then he came out and just absolutely ripped the Lions face off in Thanksgiving Day game. And it's like, hold up a minute. He, he seems healthy. I think we raised that bar too quickly for sure. And I think it was a lot about what they were asked to do too. So there you go. All right, Tim, we are way over. Anything, bub? No. I'm, <laughs> I, one comment about the uh, the long drives, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to see these long drives. We'll keep in mind, uh, you know, a 50 yard explosive over the top for a touchdown. That's a quick drive and right. ends in points. And that doesn't help us either. So I'm a big proponent of, you know, points is everything. Right. And yeah. you take a lot of pressure off your offense um, when your defense is able to go out there and limit a team with those explosives and the, and the points per game, you know, 20 is that magic number. You hold, you, you hold a team to less than 20 points. You should, you should be winning those ball games. And I have full confidence in this, uh, you know, Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur led offense here to to certainly get it done in those situations. But it's when you're giving up, you know, 30, 35, 40 point games that you're you're putting a lot of pressure on, yeah. on your offense. And it goes both ways, too. If you have an offense that's struggling and constantly putting your defense back on the field and can't answer any of the those scores, you can get yourself in trouble there. So I'll, I'll gladly, you know, trade plays per drive and yards per drive, um, total, total time on a drive, uh, if it ends in less points, you know, three or less points. Yeah, definitely. David Mitchell in the chat said, I agree with the three is much better than seven, but this team needs to create more turnovers and catch the gimme picks, uh, to be top 10. Amen, man. I think, I think I finished the year counting eight dropped. I think it was eight dropped interceptions. I could be wrong. Maybe getting that number mixed up. I need to go back and look at my chart because, uh, there was just a ton of interceptions dropped, and it was, you know, it's just wild. If you if you catch half of those interceptions, a whole different defensive number. You know, you're probably you're probably top six, top seven in scoring defense, and uh, and those other numbers look a lot better too because your offense is going to have the ball more. You're right, man. Turnovers are so important. Turnovers is probably, you know, everybody likes to look at this. You know, rushing yards, passing yards, this that, DVOA, all you know, everything. For me, points allowed. And turnovers force probably the two most important statistics on defense. Because you win that turnover battle, you're going to win the game a large, large, large majority of the time. That's so. why I can't wait to see some more of. <laughs> Took it down the sideline, turned up with my guys, gave the football to a little kid wearing 23. Exactly, man. Hey, I hope he returns to old form. And and here's the thing, too. If we're going to be – I almost said it myself. We're going to be playing more man coverage. You get to see, you know, what everybody's wanting with Jai following the number one receiver. The problem is – you're not going to run more than 40% man. You're still going to be playing more zone than man. So there's going to be times that he's not following that guy. Right. So um, you, can't, yep. you can't have him following zone. It causes absolute chaos, especially. And our DC has made those comments about balance, right? Yep. You know, we're, you're going to, you're going to see a little bit of both. It's we're not going to be one dimensional. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Carly, you got anything else? Anything else you want to hit on? Just one thing. Mm-hmm. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. He rode Billy Bob loves Charlene. Let's get that man a contract, Carly. So well said. Yeah, I said it better myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we'll see if AJ Dillon returns. I hope he does for the right price. Obviously, uh, if he can go get his money somewhere else, he'll get that money. But uh, I don't, you know, right now it's probably not the best in the best interest of the Packers to pay him top running back money, right? He is set to hit free agency, so I'd be okay. Like I said, get him back for two to three million. 
I'll be all right with that. If anybody's going to give a discount, it's probably going to be AJ Dillon. Yes, right? absolutely. Uh, and he's if he were to hear that, y'all stop spending my money. What are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank y'all so much for hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, we try to steer clear of the Rogers talk because it's, it's, it's never just the, it's never just the, okay, here's what happened. It's always this guy hates Rogers. This guy loves Rogers. And there's never this in between. It's always, no, I think this happened. I think that happened. So again, he's gone too. He's gone, you know? So like we shouldn't even be talking about him, you know, he's a jets problem. If you think he's a problem, right. So, yep. I'm like, hey, let's uh, let's focus on our franchise quarterback here. There's there's so much more to learn about the team that we have in Green Bay right now. You know, I, I, right. I could care, you know, couldn't care less about you know what quarterbacks from other organizations. We'll welcome them back one day, and I'll be I'll try to be in the house to watch them drop that number twelve uh, down on the facade, right? But yep. uh, till then, you know, there you go. What you got, Tim? Anything good? No, I agree. I, 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 that's well said, you know, when, when this all went through, uh, you know, I took my, my 12s, all my 12 jerseys and rotated those to the back of the back of the closet for the time being. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll welcome Aaron back to Lambeau at some point, have the, uh, have the festivities and the, you know, the number of retirement, um, and he'll rightfully take his place, uh, you know, with the all-time greats here at Lambeau field. You can't deny that man, 18 years of, uh, of excellence from Aaron Rodgers. So uh, nothing but respect there. And, but you're right. We got to look forward, you know, don't look back. We're not going that way. So a uh, new era, new dawn and a uh, new QB one that, that we're focused on right now. Definitely. Definitely. Well, appreciate everybody in the chat. This was a fun episode. We went way over. That's all right though. Every morning I get up and go, what the hell are we going to talk about? And then I look up and we're an hour and 10 minutes in, you know, um, I like this SDM40 says salute to the Packers and clean diapers. Very well said <laughs> SDM. We're out of here, guys. We'll see you guys tonight for PTA Live. Um, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. For those listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pack, go.